0: If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. The title of today's message is To All Who Are Waiting. To All Who Are Waiting. Now, waiting is hard. We feel this. Every time somebody puts us on hold, that, that feeling of waiting is not easy. When we're hungry and we smell the food cooking and we're wondering, when is it going to come? When is it going to come out? When when we've ordered something and we're waiting for it to come, we're excited. Maybe it's a book or, or something for your house or something like that. And you just can, can't wait until the Amazon guy or the Canada Post guy shows up and drops it off waiting is hard we feel this when we go to our doctor's office one of the reasons why people hate the doctor's office is that long wait we're thinking why can't i just get in waiting is hard but waiting is a biblical virtue when we when we wait on god it's a sign of contentment it's a it's a sign that we're content with where god has us that we're submitted to the plan of god even if our situation is not ideal. When we wait on God, it's a sign of trust. It's a sign of faith that we believe that God will act. Now, for some of us, the hardest thing in our life right now is waiting on God. It's hard for us right now to wait on God. And that's because there's a good desire that we have in our heart that is not being met. But remember, waiting is a biblical virtue and though right now it might be tempting for you to take things into your own hands, do not do that. Just wait on the Lord. The the good things that God has planned for us don't always happen like that. Sometimes they take a long time. Think of David. He was told that he was going to be king and then it took years before that actually happened. He was running for his life. I'm reading about his story right now in my, my Bible reading plan and it just took so long, and you had to continue to wait on God. The things that God has planned for us, the good things, they don't always come quickly. But here's the thing, if God has something planned for you, if he's going to do a certain thing in your life, nothing, nothing, say it with me, nothing will be able to stop it from happening. The theme of waiting flows through this passage. It's, it's all over this this text. And we are going to meet two people who are waiting on God. They're waiting on the Lord to do something very special. And we're going to see in the text that their wait, their patience is rewarded. And when the person who they're waiting on shows up, when that person shows up, they immediately begin to speak up. When the person they're waiting on shows up, they immediately, both of them, begin to speak up. We are going to see that very clearly. They talk about Jesus. That's who they're waiting on. They talk about him. And this is what we are to do. This is what we are to do when, when, when this is the person the world needs. We talk about our Savior. And we're going to look at it again, verses 21 to 38. But let's pray before we do that. Father, we thank you for blessing us with your word, gracing us, Lord God, with it. And God, we know that your word makes us wise. We know that we're called to obey it, Lord. And so I pray that by your spirit, our heart right now would be one of obedience, wanting to walk faithfully in the word of God. Father, I pray that we would believe that we're going to hear from you right now. I pray that those who are hearing me pray or seeing me pray on a screen, Lord God, that they would pray themselves for you to speak to us, for you to speak to them, for you to give them a word that encourages their soul, for you to give them a word that that maybe convicts or comforts, Lord God, where it's needed. So we pray and ask for your grace right now as we look at the scriptures together. God, thank you that even though we are apart right now, you are working in our church and that we will uh, be able to gather together, uh, Lord, at some point as we continue to just endure uh, the season that we're in in Jesus name. Amen. Amen, verses chapter two chapter two verse twenty one says, at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called he was called Jesus, the name given to, given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. Here's our first point today. When when Jesus is presented at the temple, obedience is displayed. Obedience is displayed. Luke wants us to see here that Mary and Joseph were committed to obeying the law. And you'll notice that multiple times in the text, the law, the word law is mentioned and the law is the old covenant. It's the old covenant that God gave to Israel when he rescued them from Egypt and this idea that the the rules come after the rescue is so important that God saves us and then he he says do these things he he shows grace to his people and then he says walk in obedience to me the rules come after the rescue and so they're they're seeking to obey these commands and so they they circumcise him we're told on the eighth day and that was in obedience to Leviticus 12 verse 3 and then they name him Jesus which was another act of obedience because that's what Gabriel said Gabriel said you are to call him this in chapter 1 verse 31 and then they do the purification ceremony which was in obedience to Le- Le- Leviticus 12 verses 2. The sixth, and then they dedicate Jesus. They do the baby dedication ceremony. That was in obedience to Exodus 13, verse two. And then we see that they make their obedience complete by offering a pair of turtle doves. They offer a pair of turtle doves. This, again, another act of obedience to the law. It was required that after 40 days after a mother had given birth to a son, that they were to offer a lamb or a dove. And you see here that Mary and Joseph, they go with the dove, which actually tells us that Jesus is a a part of a very poor family, that they they were poor, that they did not have the money to afford the sacrificial lamb. Like we see a painting in an art gallery, we see, we see their obedience on display. And their obedience, it flowed. You know what it flowed from? It flowed from their love for God and their faith in God. Now, it's important for us to know right at this point that though we see Mary and Joseph working hard, being faithful and seeking to obey the law, they did not obey the law perfectly. No person has ever done that. The only person, one person, had that ever done that perfectly is Jesus Christ. Phil Riken says, in his presentation, Jesus was consecrated to God as the law required. Then all through the rest of his life, he lived in perfect obedience to the whole will of God. Jesus obeyed the law perfectly. He's the only one who has ever done that. He did that. Why? For our salvation. We are saved by Christ's death on the cross. This is important. But we are also saved by the li- his life on earth. His lived life is, is just as important. His perfect obedience is crucial. His lived life on earth in which... He fulfilled all righteousness that we, you and I, that we owed to God. See, Jesus does for us what we are not able to do for ourselves. His parents, they fulfilled, they, they were they were working to obey the law. Of Moses, And they were called to that. And you and I, we are called now in Christ, as we walk with Jesus, as we rest in grace, we are called to walk in obedience to the law of love. That is what is on us now, the law of love. Romans 13 says, "Owe no one anything except to love him, to, to love each other. For the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, any, uh, and any other com- commandment are summed up in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Galatians 5, 14 says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is what we're called to, this living, this life of love. And obeying this command, it might mean being more diligent with your job. We're we're working from Home right now, again, It's it's sometimes it's hard to be disciplined to get up and to get at it. It just might mean being more diligent. It also might mean stop. you stop working when the day has come to an end. That there's actually some time. Again, that working from home, so many people are doing that. Some people are getting to go back to work right now, but some are not. But this working from home can be so challenging. It can just drift into, into just, just no organized time, but just setting, a time and a standard. I'm going to start and I'm going to stop when workday is done. It might mean encouraging someone who has lost their job. It might mean making time for prayer and reading the Bible. Not just talking about it, but actually actually saying, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, so I'm gonna set a time, I'm going to make a plan, there's going to be a date, I'm going to get to it it also it might mean extending forgiveness and i've talked about this in a message previously in our church that forgiveness and trust are not the same thing but forgiveness needs to be extended we need to forgive people even if we're not going to put ourselves in harm's way again it might mean confessing a secret sin it might mean resisting temptation. It might mean not ignoring your responsibilities at home and not, not escaping to something else, but, but engaging and being fully involved. It could mean for you that you stop leading someone on, that you stop leading someone on, that you, you you admit to them, this is what I've been doing, this is wrong, I am sorry, I am not as interested in you as you are in me, and then backing off. It might mean praying for our church it might mean being more intentional in your relationship with your children it might mean listening more than you at you talk being a good listener it might mean obeying the, the law of love might mean that you respectfully take a stand on a social or political issue it just might mean participating in your small group investing yourself as we meet over over uh, the internet over in these virtual groups that you just participate you don't just sit there but you engage it might mean getting to know your neighbor. It might be following up with family or just simply checking in with somebody in our church. Obedience can be difficult. I know it can be hard. It's not always easy to obey. And sometimes it's, it's hard to obey because it, just, it might mean a change in, in life's direction. It's hard to obey sometimes because the results aren't always immediately seen. It's hard to obey sometimes because when we obey, more challenges actually come to our life. Sometimes it's hard to obey because it's just inconvenient. It's just not convenient to do the thing. Sometimes it's hard to obey because it takes discipline and hard work. Obedience can be hard. That is true. But every act of obedience is a declaration of my love for God. Every act of obedience is a declaration of my commitment to love my neighbor, every act of obedience also must flow from the gospel. It must flow from the gospel. The reality that I'm loved by God already, that I'm accepted by my heavenly father, that I'm not trying to obey to get him to love me. I obey because he already loves me and is deeply committed to me. So Mary and Joseph, as they proceed, they meet Simeon, verse 25 says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. We're told that the Holy Spirit was, up, was upon Simeon. We're also told that he is righteous by faith, that he is devout. Simeon is this, he's presented as this wise elder who has walked with God and it says that he is waiting on the consolation of Israel. He is waiting on the Messiah. He is and he is waiting for the comfort and relief that he will bring. Verse 26 says and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he seen the Lord's Christ. The Holy Spirit reveals to him that he would live to see Jesus, And this is what he is patiently waiting on. Look at verse 27. It says, and he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do to him, for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. Here's point number two. When Jesus is presented at the temple, his identity is described. His identity is described. Simeon is about to tell us who Jesus is and what he will and can do in the life of everyone who trusts him. First, he tells us he is the Lord's salvation. Look at verse 29. It says, I'll go back to verse 28. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, so he praises God. He he blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Why? Verse 30, for my eyes have seen, my eyes have seen your salvation. This literally means my eyes have seen the one who, who is fit to save. Jesus is fit to save us because he's the only one who can take on all of our sin. He's the only one who can satisfy the wrath of God. And Simeon says, this is happening according to your word. See, God is not like the weatherman who tells you that it's going to rain tomorrow and then it doesn't rain. God's not like that. When God says something is going to happen, you it's guaranteed. You can take it to the bank. It will happen. This verse here, what it teaches us is that we can trust the word of God, that we are to stake our life on the word of God, that we are to walk by the word, knowing that God is going to fulfill his promises to us. What he says he will do, he always does it. And Simeon says that he is, he is ready to depart in peace. Now your servant can depart in peace. He, he's, he knows everything is is okay because Jesus has come like Bob Marley he can sing everything is going to be all right because of the baby he is holding in his arms and we can have this peace too because Jesus has come once and Jesus will come Again, And when Jesus comes on that day, he is going to, we are going to, because of him, experience perfect peace. And we are going to see him execute perfect justice. Everything, everything is going to be all right. Verse 30 says, my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people. All peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Here's another way he describes Jesus. He tells us he is the light, that he is the light. He says that Jesus is a light of revelation. Jesus, what he does is he reveals the way of God to all people. He reveals that way to Jews and to Gentiles. Isaiah 49 verse 6 says, It is, is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribe of Jacob and bring back the preserved of Israel? I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. God's saying my salvation is going to reach to the end of earth. The ends of the earth, John 12, 46 says, I have come, this is Jesus, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. The, the person right now who does not believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus tells you with all due respect, I'm, he tells you from the word that you are in darkness that you are in darkness, but notice Jesus says that there is a way out of darkness. He is the light. And when you believe in Jesus Christ, when you believe the gospel that he lived perfectly, that he died, in our place, that God raised him, that he is the savior that we need and that he will come again to the unbeliever. When you believe that, you are transferred. When you place your faith in that reality, you are taken from the kingdom of darkness and you are brought into the kingdom of light. Jesus tells you the way. He says, he is the way. And this is why Simeon calls him the glory of Israel, the glory of Israel. Israel. He is our savior who comes from Israel and he comes for all people, Jews and Gentiles. Why? To bring us all back to God, to bring us back into this relationship that we walked away from. The Christian, Christians, we are walking with and in the light, but there's lots of people who are still in darkness. There's lots of people who need the light. And this is what makes missions so important. This is what makes Bible translations, Bible translating so important. This is what makes starting churches overseas so important. This is what makes supporting local missionaries and encouraging them so important because these are the ways that we spread the light and share the light. And so these things are vital and are to be taken seriously and encouraged and supported in the local church. Mary and Joseph were told that they marvel at what they hear about their child, but then they hear something negative. Verse 34 says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel for a sign that is opposed. And a sword, a sword will pierce through your own soul so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. It won't all be roses for Jesus. There's going to be some hard days. He's going to face opposition that phrase the falling and rising of many in Israel what it does is it's speaking through the different sort of reactions that Jesus is going to receive that this baby will receive he he is going to split the nation in two and that's because Jesus is not the messiah that so many people are expecting he's just not going to do things the way that they're that a certain group of people think that it should Be done, and then Mary is told that a sword will pierce through your own soul. It's going to be hard. Being a parent is a privilege and it's a responsibility. Listen to how it's described in the novel A Gentleman in Moscow. It says, For all the varied concerns and attendant concerns attendant to raising to the raising of a child over schoolwork, dress and manners. In the end, a parent's responsibility could not be more simple to bring a child safely into adulthood so that they could have a chance to experience a life of purpose and God-willing contentment. This is the heart of every parent. This is the responsibility of every parent to do our best to help our children into Adulthood, and so that they could experience a life of purpose, walking with God, living for the Lord and having contentment in their heart. But every parent at some level experiences pain. Every parent at some level experiences pain. Mary, she experienced the pain of watching her son experience opposition. She was even sometimes confused about him and just seeing him disliked and and then ultimately crucified. There was pain in her life. She experienced pain, and parents today experience pain. Some parents right now, you're experiencing the pain of fatigue. It's just it's just hard. Your, your kids are young. It's a it's a grind. Some parents right now, you're experiencing the pain because your kids are grown up, but they've they've walked away from God. They've rejected the faith. Some some parents are experiencing discouragement. There is confusion right now in your life. And in these, in those moments, in these moments, it's tempting to think that God is punishing you, but he's not. You need to hear that. God is not punishing you. These are some of the realities of living in an unredeemed world, a world that is broken by sin. It means, it means pain and struggle comes and so the hurting parent what you can do is you can go to the word of God. It's through the word of God that we get our perspective set right, that we get encouragement that we need to continue to endure the struggle. The hurting parent can also seek help. You can ask for help. Talk to your friends, your family members, talk to your your church, let let tell us what is happening. Let those who love you help and support you don't try to walk through the pain and the struggle by yourself and then it says through the ministry of Jesus that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed here's the the last way Jesus is described he is described as he reveals our hearts Jesus reveals our hearts. He exposes what is inside us. He gets a, resp- a re- reaction from everyone. He, he exposes us because of the things that he says to us. Jesus challenges us. He says, love your enemies. Said, what, it's easy to love those who love you. He says, love your enemies. That's challenging to us. That is not easy. He exposes us. He says, out of the abundance of your heart. The mouth speaks. What we say reveals so much about us. He convicts us. He says, you cannot serve God and money. Jesus is the salvation of God. And he reveals to us the will of God. And our reaction to us, to him, reveals our reaction to God. If we oppose Jesus, what we're doing is we're opposing God. And the person who does that, you need to hear that. If you're in the place right now where you're opposing Jesus Christ, you're in danger. You are putting yourself in danger. It does not end well for the person who opposes the Lord. And in this in context here, opposing Jesus means rejecting him as the savior that we need. It's it's just it's to not see him for who he truly is is that is what it means in context here to oppose Jesus Christ and again it does not end well for the person who does that but when we humble ourselves when we when we humble ourselves and and accept and embrace Jesus Christ as the savior that we need you know what happens god shows us grace and we're welcomed into the family of god this is if you're wondering how does this text apply to the non-christian this part, this is how it applies to non-believer. You are, if you're opposing Jesus, you're in danger, but you don't have to stay in danger. You can experience God's grace if you receive Jesus as the Savior that he truly is and stop opposing him. Simeon gives us a detailed description of, of Jesus Christ but he's not the only one talking in the text there's also Anna look at verse 36 it says and there was a prophetess Anna the daughter of Fenuel of the tribe of Asher she was advanced in years having lived with her uh, with having lived with her husband 7 years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84 she did not depart from the temple worshiping and with fasting and prayer night and day. Nobody really knows how old Anna was. Some people think that she was, she was well over 100 years old, but what we do know from the text is that she lived a dif- dis- disciplined life. She was a disciplined woman. She, she, was, she was worshiping, it says, all the time, fasting and engaging in prayer. The fact that she is fasting tells us that all is not well at this time. Again, consistent with with, with Simeon, who's waiting, longing for the Messiah to come. Her, her 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 act of praying is that she is calling on God, saying, Send the hope that we need. And because God is faithful, he answers her prayer. She gets to hear Simeon's. Announcement verse 38 says, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks and to speak of him to all who were what who were waiting. There's that thing, that theme: waiting, waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. She she gives thanks, she does two things. She praises God, she gives thanks to God. She says, I know you are doing this, you are working in our life, you're beginning this beautiful stage of salvation. She praises God, but then also she tells people about Jesus. She tells people about Jesus. And this is our final point. When Jesus is presented, his arrival, when he's presented at the temple, his arrival is declared. She tells people about Jesus Christ. Now, some of you, some of the people in our church, you're doing this really well. I can think of Sergio. I can think of Henry, Selena, Victor, just people who are natural evangelists. This is just your bent. This is where you are. You, this, is, this is your wheelhouse. You live here. You're great at this. But some of us, if, if you know, we need to grow. And I'm talking about me in this too. The, 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 we're just, this is not natural to us. We're not great at this. We need to continue to work at it. I was at the barbershop with my boys a couple Months back, back when we were allowed to do that, and if you see my fellows right now, they, I mean River is hit, like he we did need to go to the barber, but I was at the the barber shop, and one of the barbers he starts talking, he're just talking, 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 and then eventually he just starts talking about Jesus, and everything that he says about Jesus is wrong. It's just it's just full of misconceptions, he just, he's not even talking clearly, and I'm sitting there, and he's he just looking at me, he's talking, he's looking at me, and do you know what I do? Nothing, nothing. I sit quietly, I, I don't speak up. What happened in that moment is I allowed the fear of man to overtake, and I didn't speak up for my Savior. I share that with you to tell you, don't be like me. Don't be like me in that, make Jesus a regular, part of your conversation. I'm not talking about just being obnoxious. I just mean, just be willing to say, here's what Jesus is doing in my life. Here's the way he's working. Here's the way Jesus has saved me. Here's the way I see Jesus working in our church. Take and capitalize on opportunities. Be aware of how the spirit is leading and giving us opportunities to share the gospel and do it in a respectful and compassionate way. Clear up misconceptions. Again, speak respectfully and compassionately, but be willing to speak of Jesus Christ. And as you do this, expect mixed reactions. Expect that you're going to get mixed reactions. Some people are going to mock you. That's just the reality of it. Jesus was mocked. Why shouldn't it? it that's what's going to happen to us as his followers. We will be mocked. Expect that. And and, then when, and if it hurts, take it to the Lord. Ask him to Help you with that. Also expect that some people are gonna want to talk more. Expect that some there's people are gonna be wanting to have more dialogue. It's not always, it's not gonna just be really clear and, and be willing to engage with, with that and be okay. Be like I don't I don't know all the answers, but let's keep talking. But also expect that some people are gonna believe. Some are going to believe, and that makes it all worth it. And so we speak up. Anna sets one more great example. She sets a great example for the older generation. The older generation. We have some older, older people in our church who I love and I respect so much and so grateful that you are a part of our church. And Anna sets a great example for you. She shows you that, that some of your best ministry can be at the late stages in life. And that there's never a point in the life of the local church. There's never a point in, in, in the spreading and advancing of the gospel and telling people about the light that your voice is not needed. You are important. You are valuable. And so do not ease back. Be like Anna. finish strong. We need you in our church. Your voice is important in the spread of the gospel. Simeon and Anna, they're waiting for Jesus. They're waiting for Jesus. And like them, we're waiting for Jesus. They're waiting for him to come for the first time. And he he came. And we're waiting for him now to come for the second time. And he will come because God has promised that. We will see him face to face. He will come again. But while we wait, our job, you know what it is? Our job is to obey the law of love, to love one another, to love our neighbor. That is what we do. And, And speak up about him. We speak about Jesus Christ. We do that because this is the person the world needs. And so we don't hold back our voice. We respectfully speak while seeking to obey him. If you agree with me, say amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who will come again. I pray, Lord, you would help us to be patient as we endure and wait. But I also pray that you would help us to be faithful, to obey the law of love, to walk in love towards one another, in love to our neighbor, Lord, in love towards unbelievers, Lord, to walk in, ultimately in love to you. Every act of obedience is an act of love towards you and a commitment to loving our neighbor. Help us to do that, Father. I pray also that you give us courage to be bold and to, and to speak about Jesus Christ. And boldness isn't yelling, isn't talking loudly. It's simply being courageously clear about our Savior. So would you help us to do that? Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you've given us your word that speaks to us and tells us exactly what you want us to do. Help us to walk in it this week, we pray. We pray this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ and for his sake. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.